Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many can say amen to that? Amen. That's our source of strength. Praise God. St. John chapter 17, verse 16. It's when the church always gets away from that proper source. It's when she gets in trouble. She follows either the man-made ideas of a board or a denominational leadership or mama, sometimes it's mama, sometimes it's daddy, and a lot of times it's self. But it's when we get away from him is when we always get in trouble. So if we can just find him and find his path and stay in that place, that's where we'll get our strength. Let us look into one of the most intimate times that the disciples had with the Lord Jesus. I know we've been reading this for several, several weeks, but there's more to come after this if we ever get off these verses. But for us to be able to comprehend what is being said and to fully appreciate the setting, he's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane within a few hours to Calvary. But yet, he spends this special time with them, uttering things that he had never said before, uttering things that if the Bible did not say it, it would be nearly impossible for us to even accept it because it would seem so hard to comprehend what Jesus is fixing to say. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which shall also believe on me through their logos, their logos. So the commission was given now for men to speak the logos of God. And Jesus goes on in a couple of verses below this and says, Father, I pray that they may be one even as you and I are one, that they may be perfected together that they may know that as thou hast lovest me, so as thou loved them. So do you reckon the love that the Father, the Spirit has for Jesus has any limits? Any restrictions? Any? Well, Jesus, I love you today, but I don't love you tomorrow because you don't do good. If every one of us would be able to ever get a revelation of that love, we'll probably be changed. We probably wouldn't be able to take it. Amen. Let's bow our heads together if you would. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as mortals which have been quickened by the Spirit of God, we still, still struggle to comprehend and understand some of the things that you have said about us. Your intent, your purpose, your desire of what you want to see fulfilled in our lives. We need you, Lord to be able to help us to believe it. Your word simply saying it is overwhelming, but for us to be able to fully comprehend 
and to accept it on the basis that as you loved the Son, the body, your own human part, even so you love every child of God on the same basis. We are your kin. We are your children. Lord, we look at ourselves and we live in a world of conditional love. We find ourselves at times loving conditionally. To understand, comprehend, fully be able to know what it's like to know unconditional love, we need your help. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us tonight from your words. Enlighten us, would you, Lord? Help us that we can be benefited by our gathering together. As the shepherd, I ask you, Father, that you would help me. Lord, according to what your prophet taught, it is the shepherd's place to know where the food is. And it is the shepherd's place to feed the sheep. So help me tonight, Father, that I can follow your leading. The food isn't necessarily always what I bring before me in these scriptures and quotes, because sometimes you'll pull me away from that. So help me to find the food for tonight. You may allow me to read every quote and every scripture that I brought, but if you so please, then Lord Jesus, I say before these people, take me in whatever direction you so desire. If I leave these notes and scriptures and quotes and I read only one of them, that's perfectly fine with us. Help me that I can be led by your spirit to find the sheep food that's needed for this night. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I believe one of the worst things that we as message people can do to our messenger and to the message itself is to introduce the message, to project the message, and to represent the message that it in some ways is contrary to Scripture. I think that we discredit our Lord. We certainly discredit our prophet by trying to take quotes and put them together and make doctrines and ideologies that in reality are not scriptural. Now, I know that some message folks feel like that the Bible, you know, it, it's, a, it's a good book. It's, it's, it's a great book. Nothing really against it. But in some ways, they believe, and the way they project the message, is that the message is over the top of the Bible. And that it's something new, and it's really different from the Bible. The problem with that is, it's a lie. I personally would not be following nor preaching this message if it was contrary to the Bible. It makes no sense to me that God sends prophets to write the Bible and then sends one the last day to destroy all they wrote. That's not the way God does it. Now, truly, prophets take Scripture, and they will be able to expound on that Scripture and give new enlightenment, broader understanding to make those Scriptures more clear. But a true prophet of God will never speak contrary to the Bible. Now, as a human being, Brother Branham misquoted scriptures and things like that, like we all do. Now, don't sit there and look big-eyed at me. He did. He did. Yes, he did as a human. 
and he would misquote them. But Brother Renham is not trying to lead us away from the Scripture, but it's the way he committed it to memory. And whenever he committed it to memory, like most of us, he quoted it that way. And when you pull it up and look at it, well, that ain't exactly the way that the Bible said it. Well, I hate to surprise you, but if you'll follow Paul very close, you'll find Paul did exactly the same thing. So did Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As a matter of fact, if you study Matthew, you'll find that he was the worst of the four in the way that he would pull from the Scripture. He'd pull one verse from here, one verse from there, one verse from there. And when he would quote it, he'd put it all together and make it seem as if though it was all one prophecy from one prophet. Well, I'm sorry you didn't know that. But I've got a series on it. I'll show you after a while. But needless to say, it is all the Word. And Matthew was not trying to break the Word. He was not trying to put it together to say something different, but it's the way that them being Hebrews, that the Hebrew language was written, and the way that they would perceive it. So it was a continuity of a thought that God gave, so they took it as the oracle of God, so they did not have to quote chapter and verse, and chapter and verse, and chapter and verse, and chapter and verse from this one, that, and the other. They'd just say, it is written, it is written, it is written, and they would quote it as if though it was coming from the same place in the Scripture, and actually it wasn't. So Brother Branham would do exactly the same thing. But a true prophet would never be able to be a vindicated prophet and speak contrary to the Scripture. And may I go on to say any man in this day that claims to be a prophet, if he's a true prophet, will never speak contrary to the Scripture or to the message. No dreams, no revelations, no feelings, no emotions, no shouting, no prophecy, no miracles will ever truly be given by God that will ever speak contrary to His written Word. And the church said... That's right. So keep this in mind now as we hear doctrinal things that come about. And if you really think about it and put your heart to it, to studying it, and you'll look at all the error that has been around us and is still around us to this day, uh, it is because the origin of those doctrinal errors begin, first of all, that they are contrary with Scripture. And then they are contrary with the message of the hour. Every doctrine will which is true in the message of the hour has its true foundational beginning inside the Bible itself. And then it also reflects right through the message. So the Bible is not contrary to the message. The message is not contrary to the Bible when it's put together right and rightly divided by those who were called to do so. And part of the problem is we have men behind the pulpit that are not even called to be there. And they prove it by not having the God-given ability to rightly divide the word of truth. One of the greatest signs that a man is called of God to really preach is not because he heals the sick, casts out devils, all that's wonderful, but because he's divinely imparted with the gift of God to be able to rightly divide the Word of God and put it together to make the picture resound from both message and Scripture and not break the pattern of the continuity of God. Is that right? 
Now, whenever we find that, then we find that you don't have to cut and piece and, you know, put it together and make this piece fit here and there and there. No, if it's called of God, it'll come together exactly perfect and it'll make the image from Genesis to Revelation. That's the way we want to believe it. Now, looking at this then, the early church was was actually uh, foreshadowed by the Old Testament and the God bringing forth the children of Israel and God calling out as we've looked at <clears throat> Dathan and Korah coming against the truth of the way God had said it and that was the prophet messenger Moses and then God calling Aaron his brother and then setting on order the Levitical priesthood as well. God knew that the Mosaic part would not go down from one generation to another. They would go hundreds of years and never have a prophet because God did not set in order prophetic succession. So it was not then that Moses become a prophet and then when he died his son took his place. And then whenever he had died his son took his place. That's not the way God did it with prophets. As a matter of fact if you find a prophet's son in the Bible being saved you found a miracle. Most of the time prophet's sons were infidels. Most of the times prophet's sons in the Bible cause all kinds of problems. Well, praise the Lord. Look at the prophet Samuel and show me where they serve God. It was the prophet Samuel's sons that actually provoked the children of Israel to ask for a king. The prophet's sons did not follow along with what the prophet... Oh, some of you didn't like that, did you? Well, read your Bible, friends. Show me in the Bible where prophet's sons ever stayed with what he had to say. So God did not promote prophetic succession. But God knew now that the Levitical order would actually be in a Levitical succession and that was being in a certain tribe. Then out of that tribe there would be families that would be broke down into the Kohathites. They would come down to those that moved the furniture, to those that would never be able to go into the third realm of the tabernacle. But they would carry the furniture. Others would play the instruments. Others were singers. Others were this and that. But God called them for their particular purpose. So the church of foreshadowing of the church was set forth in the Old Testament. Now when we come to the New Testament God breaks it in that it will not be that God calls this man to be a pastor and then automatically he will have a son and his son will be the pastor and then automatically his son will be the pastor and his son will be the pastor. Now God sometimes will do it that way to where he'll give a pastor a son but not always. He gave me two daughters. Praise the Lord. So here is Brother Branham that had two daughters and two sons. And Brother Branham desired that Billy Paul would be a, 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 at least a preacher, not a pastor. But he would be a, a preacher, a God-called preacher. But he said God didn't call him. And he desired that his son Joseph would be a preacher. But yet, as far as God doing that in order to be able to make it follow succession, the apostolic move is not that way. Paul never even had a son. We have no historical record that Peter had a son. We have no historical record that James had a son and that his son took his place. 
So the apostolic order is not that God calls a man and his son, then his grandson, then his great-grandson, then his great-great-grandson. That's not the way God does it in the New Testament. So the gifts will fall where God allots them. Now it might fall on one man, and when God calls that one man, it might not at all be out of his successive generation that a son or a grandson or a great-grandson, there might not be anybody for generation after generation after that man that will even be called in his family. It's the same with singers, the same with musicians, but now sometimes people get in their mind that it runs in families. Now you'll watch that and you'll watch people that have human strains and they'll come down, this one will be called to preach, well his son will be, his third cousin will be, his neighbor will be, a great great grandson. It's not so much that it's called of God, it's a strain that runs in that family that they feel like they have to be in charge of the spiritual body of God. Well, I don't know what in the world I'm doing here, but I think I better follow it. But that's not the apostolic order of all. Now, it's the same way with singing that people think, well, so-and-so sings, so their son should, their daughter should, and it should come right on down. So where do we get that at in the Bible? It's not in the Bible. It's not in the New Testament. So it's the same whenever the Lord now is going to disperse the gospel. So here we have James, James the Less and James the Great. We also have Matthew, we have Mark, we have Luke, which is not, of course, even in the original 12, which was called sometime later. Now, Luke was a Jew, but he was educated in the, the Gentile means. So Luke spoke Aramaic. He spoke Greek. He spoke many different languages because he was an educated one. But yet Luke was not even in the original call. So it was not that the Lord called his half-brothers, as we would say foster brothers. So he said to Judas, now, now Jude, you know, you're going to be this. And James the less, you're going to be that because you're my brother. So you were raised up in my house and you watched me. No, that is the dysphoria. That's not the way. God does it. So we don't find any of those men ever using their claim to fame that I'm a foster brother of the Lord Jesus and we do not find the Lord Jesus ever catering to his family. As a matter of fact, they brought his mother one day and they said Jesus was preaching to the poor and stuff. So they brought his mother and brothers and and they said, your mother and brothers here. He said, who is my mother and my brother? Those who keep the commandments of God, these are my mother and my brothers. So here we see the New Testament then of the way God is going to do it. So because you would be the mother of the Lord Jesus, you didn't have a special right in heaven. Mary is not the secretary. Mary doesn't have a special place in heaven. Well, praise God, she's not the queen of heaven. Come on, saints, that's right. James is not, uh, you know, going to sit on the right hand of the Lord Jesus and Jude on the left hand of the Lord Jesus. That's not the way it works. Well, let me bring it on down. And neither does it work that way in the message. Now, I know the denominational people think the hierarchy of the message ought to be that it comes from Brother Branham down to his sons, down to the grandson. That is a bunch of hogwash. That is a bunch of nonsense. It comes straight from the pits of hell. It don't don't come from the Bible. Notice it come from the prophet of God himself. That's right. Well, praise the Lord. 
Amen. So now the Lord Jesus is showing how that he's going to set this forth, that it will be men, but it will not be men that will be wind oil. I, I want to do this, and, and I want to be, be a pastor. And well, I, I, I want to be, I want to be a, 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 say, a teacher. Well, I'm, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to study. I want to be one other guy. So, well, I want to be a prophet. Another said, so, well, I, I decide I want to be an evangelist. That's not what, the way it works at all. Now, not in the body of God. Out here, that's the way it works. Now, I really feel sorry for all these preachers out here because the most of them are not God called in the first place and it's something they chose to do which lets you know right off they're missing something up here in the first place if they chose all this tension and pressure and stress you understand that being a pastor is one of the most turned over jobs that there is in America there are more pastors that quit their jobs than there is detectives and police officers and lawyers and surgeons more pastors get stressed out more pastors committing suicide more pastors doing all this why they're in a position they don't belong well praise the Lord but when God calls a man and God gifts that man then there may be ones in that family and gifts may run in the family and they may not but it's simply at God's own personal choice not that it's mandatory okay well you know this will be a Reagan church or this will be a Yance church or in Louisiana we'll say well this will be a Pruitt church uh, brother Tim will be the pastor and then Timothy will be a pastor and then automatically when Timothy you know goes and one of his sons Maybe, maybe not. If that's the way God chooses to do it, so be it. But it's only by God's choice and not by ours. Well, we want to keep it all in the family. I agree. We do want to keep it in the family, but the family of God. Not the Reagan family, the Yance family, the Pruitt family, you know, the Spencer family. We want to keep it in the God family, right? So if God desires to put a person in there then that's totally, completely different. Now it upsets the apple cart always whenever God breaks the succession because people think, well, my daddy started this church and then his son did this and then so and so. Well, then a lot of times God don't like to follow a pattern of men and what people think God don't want to do is generally what God does. So God will send somebody in that ain't kin to nobody. God will send it in there just to break what people think because they're forming a family denomination. Now they think their family is the one surely that'll be able to really turn this thing around. And God said, nope, I think I'll do something totally different. So let it be a warning to us that God can send in whoever he wants to send in. God can do whatever he wants to do. Don't feel like no family here has a certain claim and a certain hierarchy on the church of the way it ought to run because God has the ability to promote and demote. God can put down. God can be able to raise up. That's his choice. He can do whatever he wants. So, you know, the thing we want to do is follow the apostolic pattern and see that God is the one who done it. Now when we see these men that the Lord Jesus is praying for and then the way the gospel is going to be dispersed out by them, they will go, you know, whenever they go to spreading, some will go this way, some that way, some that way. When they spread the gospel, they will be crossing over cultural
cultural barriers, racial barriers, then there will be men in these countries like where Thomas was. I stood there several years ago where St. Thomas went and preached in a cave where they come where he lived and where they come and found him and killed him. And yet whenever Thomas brought this gospel there to India, some of the greatest men that followed thereafter were not Jews at all. But it was true Holy Ghost filled converted Indian men that loved God and grabbed a hold of the message of the hour and they become the founding fathers along with Thomas of what God would do in the message in India. What did God do also for the Native Americans whenever the missionaries came here in the same pattern? So the prophet said God sends each to his own. Now will God send an American maybe to China and start a revival? Yep, but most likely the greatest men, missionaries that will be there will be Chinese men themselves. And God will burden them. Why? Because he's the one who does it. We don't tell him how to do it. Is that right, church? But it is going to be through the channels and the dispensational tools of human beings or men that God will use. What's this an influence? The prophet said, speak through me. And Lord, I wouldn't say do that unless you had ordained it. You ordained your gospel to be preached by men. You could ordain the wind to preach it. You could ordain the stars to preach it. You could ordain the moon, the sun to preach it. But you ordain men, he won't change it. So now keep in mind now when we come to the end of time right down to the last message that God cannot change that pattern and say, well, I used men for 2,000 years, but now I've got a change in my program and I'm actually going to have all the men in the message to quit preaching and I'm going to have them to start playing tapes. Well, what you have then, you've got a doctrine which is formulated which is contrary to Hebrews 13.8. That is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So then we have something which is changing the original commission and the program of the Lord Jesus himself and also contrary to what Brother Branham himself taught. Well, praise the Lord. Now, it makes no difference to me who says it. You know me. I I don't care. I don't care what your first name is, middle name is, last name is. I really don't care how many years you've been around the message. Uh, What do you want, a gold star? You want stripes? You want bands? You want a lollipop, a sucker? You want a Coke after church because you've been around longer than us? I'm sorry. We don't do that. I'll give respect to those who stay with the word. But any man that leaves this word, I don't care if Brother Branham ordained him. I don't care if Brother Branham calls his name. That matters nothing to me me. What matters to me is that we stay straight on the word. God has one thing by which all of us are judged by. I am judged by what I preach and you have every right to judge what I preach by the word of God. All right, Just like we do every other preacher. Right? So it's not, well my daddy was so and so. No, 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 no. I'm not interested in any of that. I'm interested in what the word says and what the word preaches. That's going to be the thing that we're going to answer to. Now watch, you ordain men, he said, you won't change it, you're waiting on men, you're not waiting on the stars, they're obeying you, the winds will obey you, but Lord, we men, we're no good, we don't obey you, Lord, forgive us, won't you, won't you forgive us, wow, what a prayer. Notice again, he said, now God, you could have chose to preach the gospel by the sun, by the moon, by the stars, by the wind, or by nature. But he chose men to preach the gospel. And that's where, now listen, that's where the voice of God 
Now notice he doesn't say man as in singular. But he says men as in plural, that's where the voice of God will come from. And you can judge the voice according to the word it expresses. Then you can see what kind of a voice that you're listening to. So listen, Happy Valley, feel free to judge what I preach by the word. But don't judge me by mama. Don't judge me by daddy. And don't come to me with a dream or a sensation or an emotion and try to judge me by that because I will not take it. I'm sorry. Well, my daddy said, I don't care what your daddy said. Judge me by the word. Judge every man you hear by the word. But also keep in mind, I'm going to judge you the same way. Okay, praise the Lord. So if you've got a feeling, an emotion, a sensation, well, I feel led, well, I'm going to judge your I feel led by the word. That's just fair, is it not? You're going to judge me by that. Now notice you can see what kind of voice you're listening to. If it's contrary to the word, then don't listen to it. But if it is the word, then God is duty bound to that word. Notice now, and to that word up and vindicate it and make it the truth. Because he's promised to do it, so we're living in a great day, these words of Christ express. Notice now in the resume of the ages in the church age book, I sincerely believe that the Spirit of God has been speaking to us, not only teaching us the truths of the ages, but he has been faithfully dealing with hearts that they may turn to him. That is the reason for all preaching and teaching. For it is the preaching and teaching of the word that the sheep hear the voice of God and follow him. Now there are people that want to project to us that Brother Branham's literal voice is the voice of God. And that is the only source of the voice of God. So that Brother Branham's voice is the voice of God. And that everything Brother Branham said was thus saith the Lord. So then we have God's voice calling himself a dummy. Now I don't know about your God. But I know my God ain't no dummy. Now, I'm sorry you've never done a search on that, but after church, go home and check me out, and you will find Brother Branham calling himself a dummy over and over again. You will also find Brother Branham calling himself stupid. Well, praise God. My God ain't stupid, and my God is not a dummy. My God don't have to repent, but my prophet did. Well, praise the Lord. So Brother Branham's literal voice box, his larynx, his vocal cords, whatever you want to call it, is not the literal voice of God. But he said when the Spirit of God moved down, it becomes God's voice to you, which is not the same thing at all. Thank you, Jesus. Now, notice this in 1 Peter chapter 4.11. This is the apostolic order by which is going to be projected now for 2,000 years or seven church ages. If any man speak, okay, so now here we have a principle by which the apostolic foundation was laid upon. It was not if any man push play. 
But if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now notice, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. A very neat Greek word. Look what it means, the word logion. In the New Testament, the words or utterances of God. So the word inter, uh, rendered rather oracles means something spoken or uttered than anything uttered by God of divine communication or a revelation. So then when a man will speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. So what does a man then become if he's speaking under divine inspiration? He becomes a channel by which deity can communicate itself to you. Now that shouldn't, that should not choke you to death. That shouldn't bother you. Most of you know that it's happened to you over and over again. When the Spirit of God would use your pastor or one of these other ministers that are here or a visiting preacher that'll come in. No doubt it'll happen this weekend when Brother David speaks for us that God will get a hold of him and your needs will pull out of him things that he don't even know why he's saying them. Why? Because you need it to be said for you. Praise the Lord. Because God knows your needs. So what? God wants then the man to be able to surrender, which is a gift. That's what a gift is. To being able to surrender himself and the man becomes a channel by which divine communication can pour through the gift. Now, he's not a prophet. He's not like a seer. But the Spirit of God can anoint that and be able to speak something directly. What does that become? It's not a logos. It's not a scripture. Definitely where he's quoting a scripture directly to you. But it's something, a rhema word from God, and he may quote a scripture, but all of a sudden it's so made alive to you, it's like it has your name on the front of it. Have we had it to happen over and over again? Now this is the way the apostolic church was founded, to believe that God would use men to speak. Well, I'm still an apostolic believer. Y'all at Happy Valley are still apostolic, right? Now, there's a great difference between apostolic and being Pentecostal. You can be 1906 Pentecostal and not be original apostolic. I want to be true apostolic faith. Now, notice, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability, which is a divine impartation, a gift, as the ability which God giveth. So then every man finds that ability, and he works within that, and according to the gift itself, will determine how much the man can get out of the way. Some men's gift is, say, 60-40. So God comes down, anoints that man, 60 percent of the man's able to step aside 40 percent of the humanity is there other men's gift it might be 75 25 some men 80 20 some men 90 10 the lord jesus was the only one that was 100 percent so he can move out of the way right every other man's gift is given to them in portion according to the gift itself which is made and designed by the great gift maker himself then this is why sometimes we have preference of men we like to hear because some of them they just bring so much more word more word, more word, less human, less of himself, you understand? And we thought, oh, I just get so much out of what he has to say. It just so feeds me. It doesn't mean the other man's not gifted, but his gift is different. So here they saw in the apostolic church that the gifts will vary. It leaves no room for jealousy. 
that a man who's gifted, say, 60-40, he shouldn't be jealous of a man who's 80-20 or 90-10 or 95-5, whatever God made him. God is the one who made the gifts. God's the one who dispensed the gifts. And really, as believers, we should be thankful for every one of them, no matter how big they are, how little they are. Because God will use them in order to be able to benefit his own body for the glory of God. Notice then Peter goes on to say, let him do it as of the ability which God gives us. So it's not the man himself. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now notice again how Brother Branham uses this word oracle. Oh God, take the clay, the voice of mortal beings plural and speak Lord the oracles of God that people might see and fear God and serve him now notice then when a man becomes a surrendered vessel you know whether he's under that oracle dispensation for half of the service three quarters of the service however the God will determine then the, thing, the motive is that for God to be able to take that and the man will be able to speak something about God that the people can actually see God they will see God God what do you mean brother Donnie they will see God's attribute God's character God's nature okay I see God don't want me to do that. God don't like that. God wants more. Well, when you do that, you have heard about the character of God, and whenever you have heard, you have seen him put on display. The manifested word is the Father God. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. The word interpreted is the manifestation of the name of God. So whenever that is made clear to you, and you've seen, oh, I didn't realize, Lord, that was bothering you. I've been doing this. I've been not doing that. I'm sorry. Well, you've seen God. You've heard of God's nature. Notice, and it comes by what? Not an intellectual speaker now. Not a man who has a great kingdom building idea, but a man who becomes a surrendered vessel and he becomes, step aside where God can take and use him. And then he becomes an oracle of God, which is a channel of inspiration. He said the oracles of God that people might see and fear God and serve him. Through what? Gifted men. Amen. Now, you think of the importance and the value that God placed on New Testament gifts. How many believe the Bible is a very important thing? But yet we know that the New Testament church for many years, they were actually established as a church. They preached, cast out devils, healed the sick, and done all these many things without a written New Testament. Now, the book of James, uh, book of First and Second Corinthians, you know, it's still kind of debating as far as historically which one was written first but say some somewhere from from 57 uh, AD to 60 somewhere in that time frame so here the church is almost in existence for three decades three decades before they have a written New Testament they did not have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and Philemon, and Philippians, and Romans, and Corinthians, and Galatians, and Ephesians. They did not have that the way you and I do today. For three decades, many of the original apostolic fathers were already dead and buried before they even had the first book of the New Testament. My goodness, well, how in the world did they survive, Brother Donnie? Gifted men. So those God-called men then, they become the bearers of the word. And some of them were with the original teachers that was with the Lord Jesus. But then what did God do? God broke the pattern and God called Paul because he wasn't one of the original ones. Now some of the others probably had a problem with that since Jesus himself never laid hands on Paul. 
And Jesus never baptized Paul. And the Bible says that Jesus baptized the rest of his disciples. So Jesus never personally baptized Paul. And Jesus himself never laid hands on him. I hope it don't hurt any of you all. But I never was dedicated to the Lord as a baby. I'd probably been a better preacher if I had been. I've been preaching all of my life. I was never ordained. Nobody ever laid their hands on me and ordained me. Nobody ever took me up in their arms and dedicated me. Boy, you'd have a job doing that now. <laughs> My goodness, Brother Dottie, how in the world could you even be a Christian without being dedicated? You see what you've done? You've made a tradition out of something. Well, I guess somebody's going to be looking for a new pastor now. I wasn't even dedicated and never was ordained. Oh, but, but Brother Dottie, how could you preach not being ordained? But I was ordained. I was ordained by him. I was ordained by him. Praise God. So what does God do? God does things to break up what we think. Oh, no, 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 it can't work. It's got to be this way. No, it will work the way he wants it to work, not the way we form it in our minds. Right. So the Lord then put precedence upon the gifted men and put the gifted men there before they even had a written New Testament. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that gifts are superior to the written word. But in the apostolic foundation of the church, let me go ahead and say it this way. If they confiscate our Bibles, if they destroy every tape we've got, if they burn every book we've got, God called men will still be preaching the word in its purity. Why? Because God called men study that word and they've got it in their spirit. They've got it in their soul. Well, let me go ahead and say it to you. If they take every computer I've got, if they take the iPad I've got, come on, church. They've taken, I had my gift before I had an iPad. I had my gift before I had a computer to ever search the message. And the devil thinks he'll shut us up. He'll never shut us up. Praise be to God. Notice this, Brother Ben said, God said in the church first what? Missionaries or apostles? Apostles and missionaries, I told you or taught you, is the same thing one sent. Apostles, listen now, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, God said in the church for the perfecting of the church, that's divine gifts that God ordained and said into the church. Those are for the perfecting of the church. Jesus speaks through his pastor. Now notice, I am your pastor, but first of all, I'm his. You see, this is the difference between a God-called man and a denominational man. He belongs to the people and he will do what the people say or they will fire him and get somebody that will. That's not a God-called man. So he's preaching for a living. Well, praise the Lord for a salary and this and that and the other. But a God-called man is Jesus' pastor first and then yours. That way, the divine order is kept true to God's protocol. He will obey God first and then if you like it, well, that's really good. If you don't like it, it's still really good because God likes it. So that's what really matters. And, and you'll get to a spot, you'll like it if you're his. 
Right. Now notice he said Jesus speaks through his pastor, speaks through his teacher, speaks through his seer, his prophet, speaks through his missionary to the countries, and so forth. That's his gift that he's put in the church. So here Brother Branham is showing that it's actually the Lord Jesus taking his gifts and speaking these love sermons, amen, these correction sermons, these things that we need. It's actually Jesus taking gifts, speaking to his people. So then if it's a true servant of God and you're a true people of God, then you're able to see the pastor. If you've got a God-called pastor, a God-called evangelist, you recognize that is a gift given to you by God, but you're not interested in falling in love with them and marrying them. Neither are you interested in marrying the prophet of your age. You're interested in marrying the Lord Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. To me, Jesus is still the top one. I know that ain't very popular in the message anymore. But I, I, I don't know a man that I'd want to be baptized in his name, Brother Benham included. I would not take on the name of Paul. I would not take on the name of Peter in water. I would not take on the name of William Branham in water. There's only one name I'd take on in water. That's the name of my bridegroom. That's not disrespecting Paul. That's not disrespecting Brother Branham. That's positionally placing them where they ought to be, not to be worshipped. Notice the Revelation book of symbols. Now he says, your pastor, when he stands here on the platform ministering the word of God, he is God's angel to the church. Wow. So it makes no sense to me that God would call a pastor and make him an angel to the church and not give him something to say. Well, praise God. Now I realize there's some folks that have redone, remade the fivefold ministry. They call it stop, pause, play, fast forward. And rewind. Friends, that's adding to God's word. Whosoever adds to this book, the plagues of the book will be added to him. And whosoever takes away from this book, his name will be taken out of the book of life. It's serious things we're talking about. Oh my. Notice now he said, therefore a pastor should never leave that word, but stay straight with the word because he's feeding the sheep's place. Because the word pastor means shepherd. Look it up and find out if it ain't right. A pastor is a shepherd. And the Holy Ghost made him overseer over a certain flock to feed them with what? The word of God. So then you'll agree according to the teaching of the Bible and according to the teaching of William Marion Branham. William Marion Branham. It is the pastor's responsibility to feed the flock. Not push play. Amen. I find this so amazing because, I, I mean, I push play and I listen to tapes and I find all these quotes and I hear all these other people pushing play, but they never read these quotes. I don't understand the difference between push and play. Unless, of course, they know they're there and they simply won't pull them up. And I'll tell you right now, some of them know them because years ago I sent them to them to make sure they knew. 
So now we're dealing with willful sin. Preach, Brother Donnie. Oh, my. Now, this is one thing I really appreciate about our church, of what I'm fixing to read. Not just ours, but other churches where I've been to as well. Where Brother Ram said, you go into a meeting, and a pastor that jerks his head. Watch every one of the congregation jerk their head. Now, I appreciate that about you all. And, as I said, other churches where I've been, to where that if a pastor will jerk his leg or jerk his head or scream a certain way or do a certain thing, that you all don't feel like to be spiritual and to gain his respect that you have to act the same way. I ain't never seen, I don't know, some of you, I'm, I might well like it if I seen you jerk your head. <laughs> I know some of y'all can jerk because I've seen you jerk your youngins. Well, praise God. I appreciate myself, and it shows that Brother Branham, the emphasis that Brother Branham wanted us to have breaks the pattern of what Pentecostals were doing. Because this was the pattern of Pentecost that the pastor jerk his head a certain way and shout a certain way, you know, say hallelujah a certain way, then the people, many of them, would do exactly the same thing. And he said many of them are getting the pastor's spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. So it ought to do you good when you go into our church or any other church and you see the people not trying to mimic or act like the pastor, but they want to be the way God made them. Right? Is that what you want? You want to be the way God made you, right? You don't want to act like me. Oh, some of these little guys from Brother Michael did the thing a couple of years ago and come these little little fellas, you know, they shook their head and shook their leg the way I do, but that was just, you know, as a mimic. But they don't do it in church. God don't want us all acting alike. God don't want every preacher preaching alike. But if you are a preacher, he does want you preaching. Even your sisters. Oh yeah, y'all supposed to preach. But only to your children. You can't even preach to your husband. And you sure can't do it in church. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, you've got a congregation, sisters. It's your children. Well, some of y'all, my goodness, you about blow, blow the heart valve, didn't you? Well, it's the truth. Now, what's this? Brother Branham said you watch them as a pastor with the church ahead. You go to a meeting that a pastor, the pastor's a real wildfire, run about, and you watch every one of the congregation act the same way. Listen to this. I'll tell you, friends, to me, this is one of the greatest things we could ever accomplish in our church. But you go into a place where a pastor is a solid gospel teacher. All hell will never move that church. Praise be to God. Now I ask you, is it important of what kind of pastor we have? 
Notice now he doesn't say here that the music is so fine and so precise and the singers are always on cue and the deacons are this and all of that is part of it. But notice the emphasis that he placed. You go into a place where a pastor is a solid gospel teacher. Why? That involves, incorporates everything I just mentioned above. It will bring the music right. It will bring the singing right. It will bring the deacons right. If he's a solid gospel teacher... If there's something wrong, the Holy Ghost will deal with him about it. Well, praise God. Oh, Brother Donnie, ain't you scared to death that one day our church will collapse and, and we'll fall apart and we'll, we'll make a certain move? Like, oh, God, oh, God, we'll lose everything. You mean that's the confidence you have in me as a God-called man? Have not I lived decades of my life before you? Have not I given life my life day after day after day? And you've got that kind of confidence in Almighty God? Come on, Fielding. Why, why don't you just move beyond all of your tradition and all of the... Well, in, in the past, in the past. That's where a lot of that junk needs to be in the past. I'm not living in the past. Praise be to God. Oh, mama, read this and again. It's so good. Go into a place where a pastor's a solid gospel teacher. All hell will never move that church. That's right. And Happy Valley said, you believe what you want to believe. I believe that quote is for us. That don't mean we won't have problems. That don't mean we ain't going to have a situation. But somebody's going to fulfill that. Why not let it be us? Notice again, so each one of you people who has a godly pastor has a gift from God in your church. A shepherd. Pastor means a shepherd. To watch over the flock. To teach them. Ah, so a godly pastor is supposed to teach, is he? What? The word of God. Notice again, Pergamon Church says you'll never live no higher than your pastor. You just remember that. Because he's the shepherd that feeds you. If he's the shepherd, he's got to know where the manna is. Not just what it is, but where it is. Location is so important. One of the first things they'll tell you about selling and buying real estate is location, location, location. The three most important things in real estate, right? Right, Brother Rob? Location, location, location. It ain't enough to say, well, I know the message. You've got to know where it is. You've got to know the season. You've got to know what's needed for that time, even for that particular service. Oh, well, you might find it for the months. Oh, no, I want a man of God that's so in tune with God that he can change just like that if God needs to be. Amen. If need be, the Spirit of God will change him in a total different direction because somebody walked in the building that pulled the need in a complete different direction. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So he knows what? He knows how to bring the Word. And he knows how to bring it in season. My. Notice again, he said, if you ever feel to do something or a revelation or something comes to you strangely or something warningly or something, be careful. Satan is as sly and slick as he can be, see? Put it with the Word of God and consult your pastor. Now, for those in the message who claim Brother Branham is their pastor, 
they're going to have a really hard time fulfilling that quote since our pastor is in another dimension. And you can't communicate with him. Well, praise the Lord. Now, there's folks that call me pastor in England. There's folks that call me pastor in Germany. There's folks that call me pastor in different parts of the world. They have no church to go to, and I will get emails from them, phone calls from them, whatever more, questions in their life. They're doing the best they know how to do. But whenever you're able to contact your pastor, tell him hello for me. If Brother Branham is your pastor, according to Brother Branham, he said he never was a good pastor and never would be. I don't know why it is. It's these quotes that always get me in trouble. I don't know. I must have a weird, weird view. of <laughs> Put it with the word and consult your pastor. Notice again, be not afraid. So many places in the Bible when they went out before the servants of the Lord to ask counsel, well now, I want to ask you, what about you when you get all messed up in trouble? Don't you go to your pastor? Is that right? You should do it. If you get in trouble, you should go to your brother and tell him, say, brother, I did something wrong. I shouldn't have did that. I pray you to help me now to pray through till I get over this thing. This is why I say Brother Branham cannot be people's pastor and he cannot do this. You cannot call him, text him, email him, I message him. You cannot do it. It's totally impossible. Oh, but well, well yeah. somebody sent me a clip the other day. The song leader was standing in a message church, and he said, it is now my great honor and privilege to bring Brother Branham to the platform. I said it out loud. You lied. You did not bring Brother Branham to the platform. You turned on a mechanical device. Playing one of Brother Branham's tapes does not put Brother Branham on the platform. No more than playing one of mine puts me on the platform. Or playing one of A.A. Allen's puts him on the platform. Woo! Goodness gracious alive. Notice now what you're supposed to do with your pastor. Then he said, well, that's because he's your pastor. He's your shepherd. He's the one that gives the food out to you to eat. He knows how to feed his sheep. So guess what? There ain't going to be no pope in this message going to tell me how to feed my sheep. There ain't going to be no bishop, no overseer, no pope from headquarters tell me to sit down and push play. I'm going to tell him to mind his own business. Mm. Hallelujah. Goodness. He's the one that gives the food out to you to eat. Amen. He knows how to feed his sheep. That God has by the Holy Spirit has made him overseer over the flock to watch over them and take care of them. And that's what he's for. My job is not to have a Q-tip in one hand and a bottle of denatured alcohol in another and run over to the tape player and to be able to know this is part of the new qualifications of the ministry. It's not so much that he's the husband of one wife and that he's blameless and that he's this and that and the other, but he knows how to use a Q-tip. He knows how to buy the right denatured alcohol. He knows how to use the proper USB stick. And he knows how to shut up. Well, that's one thing I don't know how to do. I 
can use a Q-tip. I know how to buy denatured alcohol, but you ain't going to shut me up unless you cut my tongue out. And then if you do, I'll feel great. I'll say, I'm going to feel like Donald Duck, but I'll feel pelvic food. You'll never stop God's men from telling the truth. Amen. Because it's the army of the living God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Mama. Now I know some of y'all don't believe this, but I really don't enjoy preaching these things. There's parts of the word I enjoy a lot better, and this is one of the parts that's, hmm, I don't care for it. But it comes in my job. The highest order in the church. Now, this is apostolic, and this is what Brother Brandon believes. So, what do we have raising up among us? That wants to tell all the pastors what they should or should not do, that they should do this or do that or the other. It's not what Brother Branham said, friends. The highest order in the church is the shepherd. We realize that, the pastor. If some bishop or somebody else is going to knock the revelation out of the pastor. Oh, y'all didn't know this, did you? Then how is God ever going to work in his church? You see, you just can't get it. Well, praise the Lord. So if some bishop or somebody else is trying to knock the revelation out of the pastor, who is it coming from? The devil. Amen. Praise God. Christ, the mystery of God, reveal all of you know this one, of course. Stay with your pastor. He's the shepherd. And give him respects. He'll lead you through because he's ordained of God to do so. And we know that's as long as the pastor stays with the word. Same prophet also told us if the pastor leaves the word, you leave him. But make sure it's the word he's leaving and not your opinion of the word. Right. Now, whenever Brother Branham was here, what was Brother Branham's relation to the pastor's Whenever he was in, because remember, remember, he was an evangelist doing the work of an evangelist, but he was a prophet doing the work of an evangelist, right? For the time will come and they will not endure sound doctrine. So Brother Branham did not have a congregation in Vandalia, Illinois. He did not have a congregation in Zion, Illinois. He did not have a congregation in Bloomington, Illinois, Bloomington, Indiana, Visalia, California. He did not have a congregation in all these different places that you're listening to tapes. These people were not Brother Branham's congregation. They went to local churches, and Brother Branham would have the pastor sitting on the platform of those churches. Then when he would have a prayer line, he would have those pastors to come and help him pray. How I many just listened to tapes enough to know that's right? Now, whenever Brother Branham would go then, his ministry, there's not a pastor he ever preached for that ever could touch the ministry that he had. There is not a pastor that's ever been in this message, nor ever will be, could touch the caliber of ministry that Brother Branham had. 
nor an evangelist, nor a missionary, nor any other aspect of the fivefold ministry. Never be a one. Let me say it again. Never be a one that would ever even come close to the ministry that God gave our prophet. And you have no problem saying that, Brother Donnie? I have no problem whatsoever. Because I find my place and I'm able to see the place of others. And God sends one man out from underneath that. One man come other ministries and they go out, out from under that. That's one man leadership. Now watch this. Brother Brown says, if there's anything I can do to help you, I'd be glad. Now, if there's anything concerning the religious idea, I'd rather you'd ask your pastor. Because I don't like to do this. Because I'm out here praying for the sick. And you take your local pastor and something like that. If there's anything I can help with otherwise, I'd be glad to do it. Now watch. We'll read it several, several times. I want to establish a point to you how the message was established. So then we have the man who brought the message with respect to the local pastors that he preached to. Not trying to override them local pastors and get them to follow what he said. That's a pope. We've had several of them try to be the pope for the message, but I particularly don't want one. I don't want a Catholic one and I sure don't want a message one myself. Now, to the questions you've asked me in doctrine, I just referred you back to your pastor, you see, because I don't do that. It's nice. I appreciate you putting that, but it's confidence. But you see, all of us wouldn't agree. Now, watch this. What's his motives and his objective? We wouldn't agree. On basics, we'd agree the same thing, but each man, maybe two or three sitting here that wouldn't. That's the reason I'd say, ask your pastor, because sometimes it might cause a little friction in the church, and we don't want that. So now here is the spirit this message was brought in. The very man who brought it and still when people would go out and they'd send him questions, little notes, what about marriage and divorce, what about this, what about that, what about that. Well, instead of it had been some of the men in the message, they'd say, go to my website, www.believethedevil.com. Go here and and, uh, get messed up, uh, you know, whatever more, uh, give me your address, uh, your secret phone number, I'll text you the correct answer because your pastor don't follow me, so therefore he's wrong. That's not the spirit of the message. It's a whole lot easier to get the quotes of the message than it is the spirit of the message. But if you get the real Holy Ghost that Brother Branham had, that's right, then you'll get the quotes, but you'll also get the spirit. If you don't get the same Holy Ghost Brother Branham had, you'll get the quotes and many of them will take you to hell. Not the quotes, but your own ideology of what you think they mean. Well, praise God, Paul writing about Timothy, he said, there's not another man, not another man who is like-minded with me in the gospel and the work like-minded is to have the same soul, to be the same soul, the same soul. So he was not only saying what Paul said, but he knew how to apply it in the way that Paul applied it. Well, praise God. Notice again he says, now don't ask me doctrine because I don't desire to do that. Now many people write me questions about marriage and divorce and so forth, which is a tangle of the church. I always. So any man who claims to be a prophet, whether he's in this church and claims to be one, or from headquarters and claims to be one, who does not follow this direction is a false prophet. Any man who claims to be a prophet and try to come in this assembly or any other assembly and usurp his so-called position without complying and lining up with the apostolic doctrine is a false prophet and a liar. Uh-huh. 
Well, praise God. Notice he said, I always refer them back and say, ask your pastor. People wrote me letters here and said, what about this and what about that? I refer the letter back. You'll get it. See, you're pastor on little things because after all, he's your shepherd. He's the one that God sent to watch over you and we might disagree and then that causes confusion in your church. We don't want that. But that's not the way it is today. They do want it. No, no, we just want you to quit doing things that's sinful, things out of the Bible. Just keep moving on toward God's sake. And if you cause little frictions and things like that, that upsets the church. So I'd rather your pastor tell you about marriage and divorce and these things and them things. Let him do it. He's God's servant too. He's equipped to... To what? Oh my goodness. So I wonder, I wonder where people with the same last name get their authority to try to disrupt the message churches. Now many of you people are writing me letters and saying, Brother Branham, should we do this or do that? And I always say, now either Brother Branham said this or he's a bald-faced liar. And if Brother Branham always said it, then that leads me to believe, and you to believe as well, that it was something about his nature that he saw in the body of God. He saw the divine protocol. Don't you understand? He's establishing a message of God. If the message that he's establishing is established on rebellion and coup d'etat, then what do you figure is going to happen inside the ranks of the message itself? It's going to be built upon rebellion. It's going to be built upon the very theory of Nimrod that you go in and you pull off a little following and a little following. That's the way Satan does. That ain't the way God does. You show me every church that's built out of a split. I'm talking about a split that should not have been a split. You watch it in time. Maybe in a year, maybe two, maybe five. It will have one, if not two, if not three. Why? The very foundation stone they built it upon was an unscriptural pulling away from God's divine protocol. Come on, saints. And when you do it, that is the foundation of your building. Oh, my. Well, hallelujah. I always say, ask your pastor. See, because I'll do anything I can to answer on the great fundamental evangelical doctrines of the Bible. But when it comes to about, should we do this or do that? I always refer to your pastor. Because each man there isn't two that we disagree with one another on little technical things. Whether we should comb our hair on the right side or on the left. Or mine, I have no trouble with that, he said. Oh, oh my goodness. Now, see what Brother Renham done? What I just preached to you about on Sunday morning. Now, I wonder how many people in the congregation laughed. And Brother Branham inserted this in there. Well, praise the Lord. You know what I mean. Well, we have those things. So I always say just every congregation, ask your pastor those things. And this is why. If he has led you far enough... To be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now notice he don't say just to become a Christian or just join church. But if the man has led you far enough to be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, can't you trust him the rest of the way through? If God honored him for that. Now, friends, we just eliminated tens of thousands. 
thousands of pastors. There are thousands of pastors around the world that have never been able to lead their people to a true saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus, much less a true baptism of the Holy Ghost. But when a man of God has that God-given seed germ by God, can't you trust him if he's led you to a new birth? Can't you trust him to lead you right on? As long as he continues right on in the same path of the Word. Oh, my. I've always told the people, let me close. I've always told the people who write me questions outside of what I preach on the platform. And here's my secretary and so forth. If they ask me a question, what about this? What about that? I said, ask your pastor. Because if he's led you this far till you receive the Holy Ghost, he'll take you on. You ask your pastor. Because these are the things that cause this confusion and therefore I, I, I leave from it. Now, if there's any question of doctrine, don't ask me. I'd rather you'd ask the pastor, you see, because that's his duty. If he's carried, now notice Brother Branham is giving us a principle. Why is it we don't want it? Why is it message people do not believe this principle? If he's carried you safely this far with God, He'll take you the rest of the way through. So you just ask your pastor doctrine because I don't like to answer these questions because there may be every one of us up here, we might disagree. So wonder what it is that would get on people to sow discord, to cause confusion in churches. They want your money? They want your loyalty? Praise the Lord. Let's stand. Oh, come on, children. Surely you can do better than that. I think I can. I think I can. I... <laughs> Notice she said, if you've got questions, and I know you have. <laughs> wow. If you've got questions, and I know you have. Ask your pastor. He's the one that can tell you. See, I wasn't sent to answer questions. And the religious questions that you might have in your mind, I'd advise you ask your pastor and not me. Because every man's leading his flock. The pastor has led you safely thus far. Trust him the rest of the way. If he brought you up to be filled with God's spirit. And living the life. Now listen to the identification of a true servant of God. Brought you up to be filled with God's spirit and living the life that I trust that you're living. Well, I trust him the rest of the way. He'll be able to answer your questions. So let's push play and obey. Now I can have all these quotes right here if, if you need them to where they, I can let Brother Branham say it to you. And we can have the brothers to record it and, and they'll push play and let you all hear it or you can be able to read it yourself. To me, it's the same obedience. Whether I push the play or I cut and copy and paste the play. So let's push play and obey. You'll never live no higher in your pastor. Just remember that because he's the shepherd that feeds you. If he's the shepherd, he's got to know where the manna is to feed the sheep. 
So why yoke up to an organization when the kingdom of God is offered to you to be born into it? That's not a hypocrite about it. All pure, unadulterated sons and daughters of God believe his word from Genesis to Revelation and stays with it. Their lie proves it. Oh, it ain't just your mouth. It's where you live. And God confirms his word. That's the Messiah. That's the wife of the Messiah. God sets in that system. Teachers, plural. Pastors, plural. Prophets, plural. And so forth. To keep that Messiah ship of his straight. Praise God. Did anybody see which door the devil went out of? He might have made a new one. Don't you appreciate the word, saints? Oh, praise God. I got to read you more and more. Honestly, I'm going to stop. Jump down to the absolute, Brother Eric. No matter what your experience is, then, if something in you tells you the Bible isn't true, the power of God, apostles, prophets, and teachers, and pastors, and the gifts of the Spirit just isn't the same as it was when it flowed through them apostles at Pentecost, there's something wrong with your absolute. So people who believe that, 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 that the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers aren't, aren't necessary, or they say, Brother Branham fulfilled all five, and therefore we don't need him anymore, there's something wrong with our absolute. But what's amazing is they say the message of their absolute. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're putting out quotes and making him say this and that and the other. And when you do that, you make him say something contrary to the Bible, and you're making Brother Branham a false prophet. And God will make you answer for cutting and splicing and adding to the word. I'll quit before I'll do that. I'll sit down. I'll face God as being a quitting preacher before I'll add to, take away, splice, cut, make it say, no, if it's the Holy Ghost, oh, you don't have to do the way I did when I was a little boy and I used to hate them jigsaw puzzles. My, the more pieces they had, you know, I'm one of them seven-piece puzzle guys. You know, great old big pieces, they got lines and dots, and the two match the twos, and the three match the threes. But whenever mama would get one, we was poor, and we didn't have very many toys and stuff like that, so they'd buy one over at Roland Annals. He was a guy that had a used clothing store where we bought a lot of our clothes and shoes, and he would have things like that sometimes. So when they'd bring them ones in that had 250 pieces, 500 pieces, 1,000 pieces, mm-hmm, this old boy didn't want to play on none of them. Because you know what they'd do? They'd put them green hills down there and them green trees and they'd have several of them pieces that would look identical. Come on now, I know I ain't the only one that's ever done it. And you'd get it right down to where it would almost fit. Now, I've got to be honest now, Mama probably knew I was doing it. But I'd take some of them that get so aggravated and I'd just... That's all right with the jigsaw puzzle, but my brother, sister, it will not work with the Word of God. If it's God's Word, it will fit. It will dovetail. And our lives will dovetail with it. Let's pray together. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word tonight, Lord. Dear Jesus, I pray that you'd help me in the ministry here in our church and 
the God called ministry around the world. Father, that we can see what an awesome responsibility that we have and the way that we present this gospel. Help us, Lord Jesus, to know that we are responsible for where the sheep feed and the food that we bring them. Help us, Lord Jesus, to make it current, up to date with where we are, Father. We do not want to take your word and make it fit together. If I've ever, Lord Jesus, ever represented this message as if it was somehow contrary to your written Bible, please forgive me. If I have ever in any way, Lord, reflected anything but perfect continuity, I ask you to forgive me. Lord, I've told the story time and time again, but I was thinking of it again today. Brother Charlie Cox told me there at his home that he had one of Brother Ram's message books, and they just picked it up and laid it down, laid it down on top of the Bible. Brother Branham went over to the stand, the little table where it was, picked it up, and put the Bible on top of the message book. said, Brother Charlie, don't ever put anything in front of the Word of God. But Lord, it's so sad that many of the people ain't just placed the message book on top of the Bible. They've got rid of the Bible. Oh, they quote it for conscience sake, but that's the only reason that it is. They don't really believe it. Their hearts haven't been restored back to an apostolic faith, an apostolic foundation. Lord, this is what our brothers died for. This is the apostolic faith they have. This is what Brother Branham gave his life to be able to restore back to the bride in the last day an apostolic faith. Then me as one speaker, I refuse to let people raise up and take our rights from us. I will not, for my part, hold my peace. I will not, Lord Jesus, if it costs me my life. Lord God, I want to stand for what's right till I get so old that I can't preach no more or till you take me or whatever it is, Father. When I stand before you that day, I'll not have a great reward like a lot of men. I was never a great renowned guy. I never done a lot of signs and miracles and this and that and the other like a lot of brothers. But let me stand, Lord. Let me stand for what's right. May it be recorded in my life story there that I gave my voice against the evil and the wrong and the error. Whether it was in denominations or the denominational spirits inside of our own ranks. Please, Lord, give me courage. Give me the backbone to stand, Lord Jesus, and proclaim your truth, Father. Granted, I pray. Oh, I know, Lord, we'll seem militant at times, but the church militant has always been an essential part, Lord. You've got men that are eloquent. You've got men that are more like ambassadors. And then you've got men like John the Baptist. You don't need an ambassador when you're in the time of war, when it's street fighting. You want a guy that'll stand by your back. I don't want some guy with a tuxedo on. If I'm out doing a street fight, I want a guy that knows how to fold up his knuckles and slam a guy right in the mouth. If that's what he needs to do. Oh, God, help us to be the type of people that we can stand for your truth, Lord Jesus. If one day they come and they shut our church doors, if we got a compromise to keep our doors open, we'll shut them down and meet in the home somewhere. May we stand for what's right, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by.
How many wants to stand for him? Not to be smart alecks, not to be, you know, looking for trouble and to be rebellious by nature. But if need be, we will be the church militant. The church militant is part of God's body. Yes. You know, familiar with those terms? Look it up in the church age book. It's part of what God needed down through time. And there's always been men that God has anointed for that position. May God help us. If that's our place, that we'll take it. Praise God. Don't you love him tonight? Don't you appreciate the word? How many appreciates the prophet of God? <clears throat> How many appreciates God called evangelist? Teachers, missionaries, pastors. Praise the Lord. Amen. Remember the Youth Banquet Friday night? We're looking forward to that. Brother David Siler will be speaking that, and he'll be staying over with us for the weekend, so you get a little reprieve from the old ground and uh, get a good preacher in here that, so you can be able to feast a little bit. And then uh, I'm heading to Ojai next week, so you'll get a little bit of reprieve again from the old guy. And uh, I know you all need a break every now and then from me. So I just hope I have enough wisdom to be able to give you the breaks when you need it along with the spankings when you need them as well. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Some of you don't have no question about the spanking part, right? It's just the other parts you, you hope I'll have wisdom for. God bless you. Let's sing it together as we prepare to go. I love you with all my heart, saints. I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. service this weekend. I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go Sing it as you go tonight. I'll stand for Jesus.